You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Myron Metcalf here, back on the ride with Royce. Um, who, who, who do you think will be the MVP for the Vikings in the playoffs? Like, who, who will win that award? I mean, I know it's not like an official. Hmm. Like, who will be the Vikings MVP? Anthony to, Barr. Why do you say that? Anthony Barr, because uh, the defense is going to be the reason that they, I think the offense is going to struggle a bit, and that's not because of what's happened the last couple of weeks of the regular season. Yeah. The offense will do enough, but they're, you know, you're going to go against, you know, New Orleans defense is pretty good. Carolina's God, defense is scary. obviously pretty good. They're scary. Yeah, even the Rams defense is, is pretty good. So you're going to yeah. face some really good, you know, defense uh, in the playoffs. And Anthony Barr, there's something to be said about a guy planning a contract year, man. Yeah. He <laughs> is, pl- he is, yeah. Harrison Smith has been the Vikings' best player. But Anthony Barr has really made a lot of splash plays, and in the playoffs, I mean, a couple tackles for loss, a sack for you know from a guy like that in that position, I, I think he's going to be their MVP. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. I, I think he's one of those next level guys. I think on that defense, mm-hmm. regardless of who they play, like Barr can step up and he can handle himself. Well, and he's so physically yeah. gifted. That's what know? I mean. He's yeah, yeah. He's never going to be like have an athletic disadvantage. Uh, regardless of who they play. I like that pick. What do you think, Manny? Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of, of Anthony Barr. I also think the MVP could be the entire Vikings offensive line. Yeah. Because I, I think that going up against, you know, if they have to go up against New Orleans or, you know, the Rams with, you know, Aaron Donald, who's ridiculous, that line is going to need to be able to open up holes in the running game for Murray and uh, McKinnon to flourish. And they're going to need to be able to protect Case Keenum and keep him off his backside. And if they can do that, and like Reaver said, just have allow the offense to just do do enough because I think the defense is going to do what they do. Yeah. Um, but I think the most important and probably the most valuable, I think, will be the offensive line and how well they perform and how healthy they can be because they got Elf Line coming off of this shoulder thing. Yeah. Sounds like he's going to be ready to go by the time they, be, they're they ready to go. Him. Um, Riley Reef has had the ankle, yeah. um, you know, although he's he's been playing, so he's, you know, hopefully he's going to be okay too. So I, I think those, those that that unit up front is going to be uh, really, really, really important. You make a great point, man. They they gotta more than ever protect Case. Yeah, because again, I, I think Case has obviously played well. We talked a lot about Case Keenum. Not we don't know what Case Keenum will be in the playoffs. Like none of us know what that looks like. So they got to give him as much time. As possible, and, and and the run attack will be, I think, significant. My MVP pick is Thielen because I think whatever the defense does, you're going to need that offense to turn that into points. And I think the defense will make plays. I think Keenum, in some of those shakier moments that any quarterback in his position might have, that's not a Tom Brady or or a guy who's been there, done that. Thielen, I think, is going to have to make some Pro Bowl catches in the playoffs. Like mm-hmm, he's going to yeah. have to do some things where you go only he 
He's the only guy on this team who could have made that catch. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the thing because, like you said, Manny, defensively, some of these teams they're going up against and the teams they have to beat to win a championship are tough mm-hmm. uh, at all positions and some tough secondaries. And I think Thielen's just going to have to do what Reavers described with, with Barr, you know, kind of having to make a play regardless. Big I think plays. Thielen has to be that guy Big plays. for the Minnesota Vikings from start to finish. Like if you ask me, okay, who's the one guy that they cannot afford to have less than a superstar performance for two or three games? It, it's Thielen to me. Mm. Uh, he's going to have to make some special catches. So I guess that's settled, and that what's what that what means what that means then is that it's going to clear that Latavius Murray will be the MVP. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> somebody that we did not talk exactly. about. Seven yards of carry, exactly. 150 yards but because a game. It, yeah, but because it's such a crapshoot, you know, yeah. you have there's always that guy that steps up. Yeah, it is. You know, for a team, and to be honest, the more you look at it, this is really the Vikings' best opportunity to get to a super and win a Super oh, 100%. Bowl. hundred percent. I mean, I'm not saying that this is their best team that they've ever had. That's not that's not what I'm saying at all. 98 was a better, probably. Yeah. A, you know, so that's worth worth debating. But look at this. Yeah, they, it's amazing. You, you, you quite possibly don't have to leave your stadium and you could win a Super Bowl. It's yeah. a great setup. And the Philadelphia situation makes it even better. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Don't get ahead of yourself. There are some dangerous teams yes. in the NFC. Sure. T- to me, the scariest team. I don't care about seeds. I don't care about any any of that. The Saints. Yeah. I would not want to face Drew Brees in this stadium. Uh, that guy, this is his last. You talk about a contract year for Barr. This is it probably for Drew. But you know what? Look at his numbers. I brought this up a couple of weeks ago with Royce. He's not the same player he used to be. And I know that they it's because they're more reliant on the running game. Yeah, they got that. But that Drew Brees attack. is not the same passer he was even two years ago. He he is not. He's aging. I just think I wouldn't want to fight, play that guy in what might be his last shot sure. to get back to the Super Bowl and him looking across the field and seeing inexperienced Case Keenum and him thinking, okay, I just got to beat that guy today, outduel him. Yeah. That to me, that Saints team. Is the scariest team. The, the other teams, whether it's a, uh, uh, an Atlanta team that has been kind of up and down no. and shaky, you a know Carolina it team. It's Carolina. You, but, but to me, it's it's Cam Newton. I don't think it's Carolina. That, you're right. It I is. think it's, it's Cam, Cam Newton. Newton. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want to face Cam Newton. I don't think you want to play the Saints. I think the Saints are the most dangerous team. Cam, I think, is by far but, the most dangerous. But Cam player. is the kind of player where you, it, which whichever Cam shows up, yeah. if good Cam and engaged Cam shows up, yeah. you're in for a fight. True. Because he has that kind of ability. They went on the road. I hate to use this phrase. They beat themselves. But there were some dumb plays late in that game. Some broken coverage where the Vikings had a chance. I mean, they, they did some things in that game on the road against Carolina that they that they had not done consistently throughout the season. They've been much better than that. And mm-hmm. I think at home, I think they would be better about containing a Cam Newton. And the number one seed is the team you were begging to play. Think oh, about 100%. that. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Think about that. Anywhere. Even go, on the road. Yeah, on the road. We'll, we'll go, go there. Cares. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll even drive nobody there. Nobody cares. Yeah. You know what I think is so dangerous, too, about New Orleans is, I mean, Breeze, we know, like, what Breeze is and what he has been. And he's probably, and he's, you know, I agree with Reavers. He's not the same guy no, that he that not. he was, you know, when they did win the Super Bowl, you know, eight years ago, whatever it was. 
But what really, if I'm getting ready to play the Saints, what really worries me is Mark Ingram yep. and my guy Alvin Kamara. Yep. Because if Drew Brees, because a lot of that offense has been, they've been running the football with those guys, and it's been Drew Brees sitting back in shotgun and then dumping it off to one of those two guys and letting them just run free. And if the def- if the Vikings defense, if they start, if they miss tackles, if they're not disciplined, if they don't stay in front of these guys and let Alvin Kamara get into the open field, then it's going to be, it will be a very, very tough matchup for them. Now the Vikings have the guys to be able oh, to shut course. that down, but it is like, that is a dynamic that. Because it's all can, about matchups. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and that is a dynamic of the Saints offense that can, that can sort of carry them all the way to a Super Bowl if they if they make all the right plays. I think every team in the NFC is looking saying we the Vikings are the team we don't want to play because we know oh, yeah. outside of Philly, obviously, we know that we're gonna have to go there. And defensively, they're a they're a nightmare. I mean, Sean McVay did everything possible to, to avoid getting this. the third yes. seed, and he backed <laughs> yes. his way into it because everybody else lost. They he, he wanted no part no. of playing the Vikings. But if they beat Atlanta, that's exactly what's gonna happen. And I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to play a team that has history at stake like this. And it's not just winning. Right. It's playing the Super Bowl in your home stadium. Uh, but that Saints team could be dangerous. Well, we're going to be back with NFL insider on ESPN, Kevin Seifert, in a moment. Talking purple right now on the ride with Royce. Kevin Seifert from ESPN. It's Kevin Seifert. Here with Kevin Seifert. We have ESPN's Kevin Seifert. It's ESPN.com's NFL Nation reporter, Kevin Seifert. Presented by Mystic Lake. Myron Metcalf filling in on the ride with Patrick Royce, NFL insider from ESPN, Kevin Seifert, uh, whom I just saw at the uh, all talent meeting for ESPN uh, people. Out in Bristol, man, a couple weeks back. Yeah, it was like we had to go all the way out to Bristol to see each other, and we live uh, a few miles away. That's how it always happens, man. That's crazy. I know it. Glad we're not there now, though. Apparently, they didn't get like a foot of snow or something like that. They're so. getting the bomb, the, the, the snow bomb, bomb or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Which weird we stuff. call Tuesday here. <laughs> exactly. We, we were talking about this, Kevin, before uh, in our last segment. In the NFC, who do you think is the most dangerous opponent for the Minnesota Vikings? Um, you know, I've been saying the Rams because they um, there's just a lot of unknown there. You know, they take a, they took a lot of the NFL by surprise in a lot of ways this year. Um, you know, Jared Goff made this huge jump. You know, no one thought Sean McVay was going to be able to turn this team around as creatively and as quickly as he did. And it makes you wonder what else might he have up his sleeve. You know, what there's nothing. There's no real um, history to look back on and see. Uh, how they do anything other than what they've done this year. Uh, there's no real book on, on Sean McVay or his offensive scheme. And so there's a lot of unknown there. And so the, the worry is that they could come out and do something, you know, they're going to do something different than what they did in the first game because uh, if they were to play the Vikings because they got beat pretty soundly in that game. First, the only team to hold them to uh, under 10 points uh, all year. So they're gonna do something different, but it's it's not easy to predict what that would be. So for me, the unknown would be um, really difficult. You know, this, you could make an argument for the Saints as well, just because they are such a different team than the one on both sides of the ball that came here in Week One and just got just got crushed by the Vikings. But um, starting with Alvin Kamara and how he's changed everything about what they do offensively, but I personally would be nervous about the Rams just because I wouldn't know you know what their I wouldn't have a way to 
try to project what their response to that uh, regular season loss would be. You see any team uh, stopping Brady from winning another Super Bowl? Um, you know, the, the AFC uh, playoffs are pretty weak, and the Steelers, uh, I thought, would provide, and I think could still provide a, a, a um, you know, a tough opponent. But every year they seem to have injuries that just kill them. And if you say, if all that whole team had been healthy, you know, who knows what they could have done. But, you know, we obviously know what happened with Ryan Shazier, um, who, uh, you know, has been in the hospital for a month after his neck injury, and we don't know um, what we well. What we do know is that he was having a great year and was really responsible for a lot of why they had been one of the top teams in the AFC up to that point. And so they've lost arguably their best defensive player, and now Antonio Brown has this calf injury that you know it was, he wasn't going to be able to play this week if they had had a game, and they're hoping he could play a divisional game. And when you talk about a receiver and he's got a calf and running and all that, it's, it's enough to be worried about. So their path to the Super Bowl through the AFC is pretty easy on a relative scale. You know, I, I think uh, if they got the Super Bowl, I think the Vikings would be a pretty uh, you know tough matchup for them because there wouldn't be any obvious holes they could they could attack. And, and I think the Saints could be a good matchup for them as well. So I think they, they have a pretty uh, strong path to the Super Bowl, Whether but then when they get there, there's potential for some pretty tough matchups for them. Is this uh, Brad Johnson with Tampa Bay, Trent Dilfer with the Ravens, and that Case Keenum can be that cliche game manager with his great defense and lead them to the Super Bowl? Yeah, and I think he's been more than a game manager. You know, I, I know. I mean, we'll never confuse him for you know the the, the Peyton Mannings or the the Tom Brady or the Aaron Rodgers and these you know future Hall of Famers who have you know largely carried in some in, in many ways their teams to Super Bowl victories when they've been there. But I you know I think he's been a lot more than that. Uh, I think especially when you look at how successful he's been. Not necessarily on the on the deep deep throws, but on these downfield throws, these fifteen to twenty yard passes to Adam Thielen to to Stephon Diggs to finding you know twenty yards in the end zone to Kyle Rudolph. You know he has a, a pretty aggressive mentality. He does not um, look to to dump off unless there's a wide open guy downfield. He's he he's and and that mentality which he's had since he was a rookie um, with Houston. Uh, it, it, I think it's a pretty big part of what they've done, and and not to say that somebody else couldn't have done that, um, but there's a certain mentality that you have to have to be confident to throw these deeper, you know, mid-range passes to throw to guys like a Kyle Rudolph who are really not going to be wide open very often, but can still catch it in traffic pretty well, and, and he's got that, and that's uh, especially since the Dalvin Cook injury. That's that's been a big part of why their offense was able to score the points they scored this year was really him being willing to go downfield and not take the easiest route um, on each, every play. Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum. Yeah. Which, if any of those three, will be on the roster next season? <laughs> you know, I, I, was, I was saying for most of the year that, you know, people say, who's going to be the starter next year? What are they going to do? And I, I always thought that Teddy would be the guy that they eventually set on. And I thought they'd find a way to get him into, into the lineup by the end of the, before the end of the season, we know that Zimmer loved him, and that and that the whole team loves him, and the franchise loves him, and it was all set up for him to come back. But you know, Case Keenum out, you know, didn't didn't you know he came out and he choked that position, and he did not let anybody uh, supplant him. And so I think that 
we'll see what happens with Pat Shermer because I think there's a connection between Shermer and, and Case Keenum that's worth exploring further. But you know, I I think that, that they'll really have to spend a lot of time trying to decide. You know, did what Case Keenum do this? Uh, you know, what he did this year is that worthy of at least a really hard conversation about whether he's the guy that they want to spend some money on this off season or. Do they take a leap of faith and, and knowing that Teddy's going to do everything he possibly can to play at the highest level he possibly can, but while also knowing that um, the guy hasn't played in two years? And would you, in your right mind, uh, knowing how successful this team was this year and the window that might be open for them, turn the team over to a guy who we think will be okay and seems, and definitely has gotten a clean bill of health and there's no reason to think he can't play um, – at a higher level, but hasn't done it in a long time. And so that's going to be a really tough decision. I think I would still, if I had to pick somebody, I would pick Teddy, but I think Case Keenum has made it a much more difficult discussion for the offseason. Is that $15 million a, a year on the open market, is that about what he'll command, you think? For for Case? For Keenum? Case, yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of, that would be on the low end. You know, if you if you look at, you know, I'm no expert in these things, but if you look at what um, uh, Mike Glennon got from the Bears, you know, a guy who had, had much less um, success in his career but had a pretty good reputation, and sometimes it's better if you don't get on the field uh, as much so that you're not exposed for who you really are. But I think Mike Glennon got $18 million this year from the Bears. And so if you're Case Keenum and you know that's what Mike Glennon got and, and you know some of these teams, uh, all these uh, – as good as this quarterback draft is supposed to be, not every team that needs a quarterback is going to get one. Um, you may not get the long-term deal with the huge signing bonus, but you know if you're Case Keenum and the, and the, and the year you put together, you should be getting Mike Glennon money, I would think at least. And so I would say a little bit north of 15, but we'll see. You know, we'll see if that if the Vikings are willing to do that. If he wants to test them, if they make him an offer that he thinks he can do better on in, in the in the uh, market, and knowing that. Some teams that are looking for quarterbacks might be looking for him because they've really not got a great situation, um, and also that they might eventually draft one in a few months after after signing you, like the Bears did. And so you have to take that into account as well. But I would think that uh, that that Mike Lennon contract is something at least to consider in terms of benchmarks. Well, why are the Packers firing everybody but McCarthy? Right now? <laughs> well, uh, I think there's there's def- there's two different reasons. I you know the. The general manager, I think, like Ted Thompson, I think that this has been, you know, an ongoing discussion for a couple years. He turned 65. It's a nice round number. Um, it, it turns out that they didn't make the playoffs. They could start having that conversation um, uh, earlier um, but than they normally would have if they were in the playoff run. But and then the assistant coaches, I think, is a direct reflection of, of the way they played this season. And, you know, the consequences of having a losing season. But I will say that uh, Mike McCarthy still only is signed through the end of 2019, and they're getting ready to hire a new GM that wouldn't have hired him. Maybe it'll be somebody they promote from within, but maybe not. But regardless, any time a new general manager is hired over a coach, uh, you start that clock ticking. Um, you know, maybe it'll be hard for them to part ways with him if Aaron Rodgers comes back and they have another run of the playoffs next year. But um, – you know, he's had enough success that one losing season shouldn't necessarily put him out on the street. But I would 
with with a new general manager coming, no matter who it is, uh, the dynamic always changed. And so I would start that clock ticking um, as soon as that new guy is hired. I, I don't think it's official, uh, but John Gruden said on uh, Golik and Wingo that good chance he takes the Raiders job if it's offered to him. Yeah. I mean, good move. I mean, is it the right move? I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Ra- I, I think he's a better coach than Jack Del Rio, and I think um, he didn't forget how to coach, even though he's been gone for nine years. And I think for for the work that he's put in these past nine years, I think it's possible that he learned a few things and certainly kept up with the game as much as you possibly could have. Uh, the twists and turns that that the schemes have made uh, by being in this broadcast position and the, that quarterback. I think he knows a lot of the quarterbacks in this league pretty well from having run that quarterback um, camp and consulting on on their futures with a lot of teams. And so that I, I think it, I think that it was a very fair move. It's a very fair move to make after the uh, you know, Jack Rio had one good season and a few that weren't good and. There's nothing wrong with that. I still, I think Gruden has, you know, at his best as a top ten coach in the league, and and I don't think you would put Jack Del Rio in that category. So a decent, pretty decent move if they can pull it off. Um, but it's hard to also separate it from the idea that the Raiders are looking for some buzz as they are sort of a lame duck in Oakland for the next couple of years, and then move to Vegas. So it's kind of all, you know, wrapped up in that. But I do still think he can be a really, really good coach in the league. We all know, you know, obviously Case Keenum and Latavius and Harrison Smith and Barr and all these notable names where people go, okay, you, you need those guys to play well in order to advance and to achieve this dream of winning a Super Bowl if you're the Minnesota Vikings. Who Who is the other guy out there, Kevin? Who's the guy that people aren't really talking about? But if he doesn't have a big game, uh, it's going to cost everybody. I'm going to be as boring as I can and say Pat Fline, the center. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's, you know, you're not, no one, none of us are going to be able to tell if he had a, a, a big game. There's no stats that, that correspond to it. But I really think he's been the key to why their offensive line settled down and quieted down so much this year. Obviously, they spent the money on Riley Reef and Mike Remmers and have had some, uh, some, uh, decent play from some young guys, uh, that have played a guard. Um, uh, and not just you know, other, in addition to Joe Berger, um, but sometimes to get an entire group to to play better, you really need to insert one really high level player, and that's who they got in Elfline. You know, they he's I don't want to say I don't know who's top five center, top ten center. He's been a really dominant player this year, especially for a rookie. And if you can just add one dominant player, at, especially at that position to the line, it can have ripple effects, and I really think that's happened. And, in the games that he hasn't played, it's been to the naked eye noticeable that he's not out there. And so that, to me, seems like uh, a perfect uh, candidate for what you're talking about, a guy that's not going to be in the, you know, the box score and is not going to be talked about too much uh, before or after or even during the game. But if, if he's out there and he's healthy, um, and that's the key thing with that shoulder deal that he's, he's working through, um, then that's then that's a big thing, and if he's not, then that's a, that's a pretty significant uh, deficit to overcome. That will definitely be significant for that team in the playoffs. Kevin, as always, man, thank you for your time, and hopefully, I see you at some point in Minneapolis area come, come outside of Bristol. The, yeah, come see us at the Super Bowl in a few weeks. Definitely, man. All that right. was Kevin Seifert, NFL Insider on ESPN. We are going to come back here on fifteen hundred ESPN in a moment. So here's the beauty, Myron, of working with John. Yeah. This is so great. 
And we, I mean, I like to manipulate my guy, John Height. Yeah. You can just ask a question, whether it's music, baseball, whatever, and he will have to I go have out to and look up. Or he will, or he I, will not be able to function. I just jotted down a line of the lyric. Hopefully from that, I'll be able to find it online. Sounds like smoking. You're the best, John. <laughs> This update sponsored by Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer. Ready for bad cold and flu season? A cold is a cold, but flu brings fever. Be prepared with the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer, backed by medical professionals everywhere. Minnesota Wild in action tonight. They are at home. They're uh, at the Excel Energy Center where they will play the Buffalo Sabres. A Wild has also moved the time for one of their games to, uh, well, to let Viking fans enjoy the playoff game. The game against Vancouver, Sunday, January 14th, was supposed to start at 6. The Wild says that game will now start at 7 o'clock. I can't wait to hear about the guy that pulled the doubleheader. You know, all three and a half hours of that Viking playoff game, I got to get to St. Paul <laughs> watch that hockey. You know, because there will be a few oh, people do that it. do that. Oh, a bunch, you know? I bet. I just don't have that in me anymore. One game's good enough. Kind of depends on how the first it. game goes. Oh, too. That could change your plan. That's true. Yeah, if they if they suffer a gut wrenching yeah. defeat, then your last thing you want to do is go sit in an arena again. No, nope. I, I did a Wolves or I did a uh, Twins Wolves doubleheader one one day. It was like the season opener for the Twins, and sure, then sure. like the season finale for the Wolves at home or something like that. Yeah, and, but that was easy because it was. You just walk from Target Field to Target <laughs> yeah, Center. Sure. Well, and yeah. for the longest the time, we couldn't do that because they all played yeah. at the Metrodome. Yeah, yep. you know. Boys hockey programs from St. Paul Johnson and North St. Paul are playing tonight in the first game at the Tria Rink. That's the Wild's new practice facility in downtown St. Paul. Uh, 7 o'clock atop the Treasure Island Center. It all began as a one of the players' class projects. Johnson forward A.J. Austin dedicated his senior project to getting his team a game at the new rooftop rink. Uh, the game is also Military Appreciation Night. Austin's granddad, a Vietnam veteran, will drop the ceremonial first puck. The new Treasure Island Center replaced the former Dayton's and later Macy's building in downtown St. Paul. Takes up the entire block at Wabasha and 6th Street. Go Govies! So is that, that's great and all, but are we going to have to refer to every single corporate sponsor when we're talking about the practice facilities? <laughs> yeah, maybe. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we never called it Mall of America Field. It's never. the dome. Yeah, never. It's dome. the dome. The dome. <laughs> Stop with it. Major League Soccer has released this season's regular season schedule. Minnesota United highlights include a matchup with reigning champ Toronto FC on July 4th. That should be festive at TCF Bank Stadium. The Loons open the season with back-to-back road matches against San Jose on March 3rd and Orlando City on March 10th before they come back for the home opener, St. Paddy's Day, March 17th, against the Chicago Fire. The Bears are interviewing Vikings defensive coordinator George Edwards tonight in the Twin Cities for their vacant head coaching job, and they'll make it a twofer. Tomorrow, they're going to interview Vikings offensive coordinator Pat Shermer. Speaking uh, of the, the Vikings, I'm just seeing this on Twitter thanks to Judd Zolgad's retweet. Adam Thielen is the third undrafted player to have at least 90 catches and 1,200 receiving yards in a season during the common draft area. Era? Or, or era. Wow. Era, era, sorry, area. Since 1967, <laughs> joining Rod Smith and Wes Welker. Wow. That, Interesting. That's, that's crazy. impressive. No, that's yeah. crazy. That's what we do in Mankato. Yep. Yep. The Mavericks, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a special thing. I think people are going to look back at this season and go, man, that was even greater than I realized at the time, yeah. what he did. How did he go undrafted? How did he end up at Mankato? How did two undrafted guys lead their team to a first-round bye? I mean, Case? Keenum. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I was thinking Eagles. I don't know who you're talking about. No, no. First yeah, time you're out. right. Yeah, that's a story. 
A fella who pitched okay for the Twins last year is going to pitch overseas. Righty Dylan G has agreed to a one-year deal with the Junichi Dragons of Japan's Nippon, Prof- uh, Nippon Professional League. Uh, G will earn between one and a half and two million dollars overseas. He says he wants to reestablish himself as a starting pitcher. He was all right. Yeah, come back to the majors in 2019. Uh, last year with the Twins, three and two. 3.22 ERA, used mostly as a reliever, but remember, he did make a couple of spot starts for the Twins. I thought he season. was going to go play with Hiroshi Kamikaze Tanaka with the Tokyo Giants. Yeah. Well, I remember he had a he had a, like an emergency start against the Blue Jays in Toronto, which he was pretty good. Yep. I'm kind of yeah. surprised he uh, didn't get a major league contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of sports related. If you work out at Lifetime Fitness gyms here in the Twin Cities, you don't get to watch news channels anymore. Lifetime has gotten rid of all news cable channels from the screen, saying customers don't think they fit a healthy lifestyle. I suppose that means people get mad watching the news. I I don't know. They've dropped CNN, Fox News, MSNBC. And CNBC. Uh, you can now watch the local over the air stations, USA, A&D, Discovery, HGTV, and ESPN on the uh, TV. I uh, just watch Love and Hip Hop instead, yeah, I guess. Don't, people don't want to be offended, I guess. I know a guy that used to work for uh, that, yeah. that particular chain of, uh-huh. uh, of gyms, and uh, he told me a story once in uh, in which one of the, the, uh, the people that was uh, one of the, uh, help me, uh, um, workers, members, one of the members, members okay. uh, was there to work out and was furious because all the channels were on, you know, the ESPNs and whatnot. And there was no, he couldn't find the remote because he needed to watch whether a it was news Fox channel. News or yeah. whatever. And he was very unhappy. He started calling this a lefty organization. And wow. Yeah. So he made it political. So this just... guy's probably going to cancel <laughs> his membership with Lifetime, <laughs> is what I'm, gonna, what I'm guessing. Are you, are you even, when I'm working out, I'm not even. <laughs> I'm listening to my music. Listening to I'm music. Like, I'm looking yeah. up occasionally, but I'm not paying attention to what's on the TVs. Up the there. only thing I don't like, I don't want the news channel on. I'll have if it's like sports or if it's a you know if it's a local like if, if five has got their morning news on, I'll glance yeah. at it because you know we got to talk about stuff on the radio. But otherwise, yeah, I don't care either. It's just like, is there any place where we? Do we have to fight everywhere? Like, does everything have to be like stripped yes. of? Yeah, this is American twenty eighteen. Just put on your iPod or whatever and work out. Mm-hmm. A month after Steelers linebacker Ryan Shazier suffered that serious spinal injury, his dad says he is making progress. Vernon Shazier told WPXI that Ryan is regaining feeling in his legs. He says he still believes his son will play football again. He said he's making progress daily. He's a long ways from where he was on that Monday night when he was lying on the field. Although Vernon Chazier declined to offer more specifics about the nature of his improvement, he said he's much better, but we've agreed to keep his progress private until he's ready to share where he's at. Chazier has attended Steelers practices and a game. He's been in a wheelchair on those occasions. Seven Jacksonville Jaguar offensive linemen are going to have some new jewelry to wear around town this weekend. Running back Leonard Fournette purchased the starting offensive line and two reserves Rolex watches as a gift for helping him rush for his 1,040 yards as a rookie this year. They're expected to be delivered on Friday. Fournette said he bought the watches because, well, he couldn't do it on his own. He said, I can't block 11 guys on my own. That's the offensive line and wide receivers. They played a big part in contributing to me getting 1,000 yards. Now, he did tell the media he plans on getting 1,000 yards every season, so they asked him, of course, if he'd give similar gifts to the linemen each year. He said he's not sure. We'll just see how it goes. Speaking of the Jags, um, you know, I told you guys yesterday I'll be attending the Jags-Bills yeah. game on Sunday, and they uh, they announced today that they will be um, promoting a little bit of team spirit Okay, with uh, teal beer 
Oh, my and goodness. And hamburgers and hot dogs in teal buns. Oh, my goodness. Those buns look awful. I saw that picture oh. before. It just They're going to force oh. you to drink that. Down oh, I'm going to do it. You got to drink <laughs> teal beer if they're offering you teal beer. You, it's like St. Patrick's Day. Grievous, they're going to lure you in. Oh, Everything's yeah. going to be a setup yep. to expose you <laughs> as a fake. And then I'm going to have teal teeth. I'm telling you, man, be careful down there. Be very, very careful. Ooh, when teal you get... ice cream. I could party with that. It's all a setup, man. Mm-hmm. It's all a setup because they're going to separate the fakes from everybody mm-hmm. else, man. But look at I get a little Jaguar helmet with my they're teal gonna, ice cream. They're going to make you run through a wooden door to get that. You're going to have to run into something. You have to break a brick or something like that. But you know what? If that's mint... Ice cream, I'm all about that it. I love, yeah. I love mint ice cream. Reavers, Reavers, they're gonna put you through a table, man. I know. I'm telling you, watch the video. As long it. as it's not on fire, I think I could do it. It's light it, it, it will up. be. It will be on fire. <laughs> I heard Mackie told me earlier off the air that uh, Golik, Golik Jr. Yeah, took a shirt off. Well, he wanted to do the the initiation. He wants in. Yeah. On the Bills Mafia, so he did the ketchup and mustard uh, initiation. Yeah. yeah. Shirt off in the winter. Yeah. I don't think I'm gonna do that. But no. I think, but we don't know. I'm he's already in. in, by the way. I've, I, I'm already in, so I don't need well, to do you're it. In, you're in by affiliation. See? You're not in. That's the, the best kind. The problem with you is <laughs> if you stay with your guy, yeah. you're good. Oh, yeah. yeah but yeah, you yeah. want to go out and roam with the Wild Bulls fans. Stay in the enclosure with the more, you like know, sit civilized. at the kids' table. Yeah, yeah, don't. yeah okay. You're going to roam out there, man, yeah, in a place that. that is just, it'll be scary, man. God, it's going to be awesome. It'll be scary. <laughs> I might not come back alive. Man, you're, you're running the board on Monday. Yeah, probably. <laughs> They're going to put you through a table, man. We'll be back here on 1500 ESPN. Myron Metcalf back on the ride with Patrick Royce. Uh, various re- reporters are, are tweeting out the initial um, all-star voting fan tallies. And the oh way the goodness. All-Star vote, the way the All-Star game will work this year is the top vote getter from the East and the top vote getter from the West will pick their teams like it's a sort of a pickup basketball game, which I, I love that concept. Check this out, Timberwolves fans. <laughs> Coming in at number one for guards in the West, of course, Steph Curry followed by James Harden, Russell Westbrook. At number five is a man who's averaging just over eight points a game. For the San Antonio Spurs. He's not going to play tonight because he's resting. Manu Ginobili has somehow risen to number five on the fan voting. Now, I, How I much understand. Has he played? Not much. I mean, I understand it being people, okay, this is his last hurrah, probably, and all oh, that stuff. Okay, so it's a sentimental but, vote. But let me tell you who comes in at number 10 below Manu, below Chris Paul, below Dame Lillard, below Lonzo Ball, below Devin Booker. With just 88,000 votes, Steph Curry got 700,000 plus. Jimmy Butler, number 10. Below Lonzo Ball. And this Below is guards. Lonzo Ball. This is guards. Just, just guards. This isn't, this isn't 10th. He's number like, Jimmy's 10 not 10th in with guards. everybody. He's 10th in guards. He's number in 10 the Western Conference. in the Western Conference among guards in all-star voting right now with just 88,000 votes. It, I, I, I don't – I'm glad they're doing it this way. Jimmy Butler will be an all-star. I mean, he's – if they're smart, he they're going to pick be. him. He I just be. don't understand if people looked at last year's T-Wolves team, looked at this year's T-Wolves team, and and understand the impact that he has made. The fact that he is ranked 10th among guards in the West, like just the West, is a joke to me. 
And the fan voting has always been a joke to me. If Manu's number five, it's a joke. If Jimmy Butler's behind Lonzo Ball, it's a joke. Carl Towns, for the forwards in the West, is behind Carmelo Anthony, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, some great players. But he got 188,000 votes. You know why I think he got 188,000 votes? University of Kentucky fans are crazy. And I bet that's a part of it. Sure. He got 100,000 more votes than Jimmy Butler did. And, and he's sitting somewhere at at eight right now. Help me, because I've never filled out an NBA All Star bracket. I've done the baseball one a few times, you know, because it's that's my sport. But do you fill when you fill one out? Do you vote for five guys, or how does it work? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm not sure how it does because I've never because it's all strictly done online. I'm guessing yeah. at this point. Yeah, and, and it's and it's um. Well, I think part of it they 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 do tweets too, right? Yeah, isn't that part of it too? They, oh, they count, really? Yeah, they count media. tweets. So you'll you'll say like. Um, you know, if I wanted to vote for Jimmy Butler, you know, I'd say Jimmy Butler and I'd go like hashtag NBA vote or NBA all-star vote or something, yeah. something like that. Okay. You and know they, they count those as votes. You know who else has more votes than Jimmy Butler right now? Jason Tatum, the Boston Celtics has more votes than him. Uh, Dwayne Wade has more votes than him. This is going to get you a guy who has played one game this season so far. Isaiah Thomas has essentially as many votes as Jimmy Butler right now. <laughs> it, it, it's just a joke, man. You it's know who joke. has? I'm looking at this too. You know who has only five thousand fewer votes than Jimmy Butler? Who's that? Enos Cantor. Yeah, just just tear the whole thing up. Tear the whole process up. Do they get it right normally though? The NBA All Star Game. They usually, usually get it. They, yeah, they usually get it right, and they. I think you know they sort of intervene and and like there there were you remember the years when when Yao would Yao right, would be the right. leading, leading voter yeah, but he wouldn't China. but he wouldn't play in the game because he'd be injured Hurt. or something mm-hmm. like that so i mean that that sort of thing can happen too there's there's always injuries and and everything like i think in the grand scheme Jimmy's going to be an all-star but like just looking at this voting is just it's ridiculous the, the it's we also don't know what's going to happen with these captains might go left field and pick wait what yeah. what do you mean so the leading vote getter in the East and the leading vote getter in the West right now that'd be Giannis Antetokounmpo from Milwaukee, the Greek freak. And He's Kevin the Durant. leading vote getter in the mm-hmm. East. Wow, in the, in the East, I had a LeBron. That's impressive. And, yep. and Kevin Durant would be number one in the West. So they're gonna pick their All Star teams. They can pick Giannis who they is the leading vote getter overall. Yeah, they can pick wow. whoever they, they can pick yeah. whoever so they want. They're from either the East or the West. I don't think I think they're confined to their. To their conference, conference, I believe. Well, no, I think the the way it works is they're gonna they're gonna have the two captains. Yeah, and I think what they're gonna have like they're gonna have the twelve or fifteen or however many you know that they want to have on the roster from each conference, yeah. and then they're gonna have the two captains select from that exactly. pool of players. Okay, so, so a lot yeah. of crazy things could happen. It, it, whatever, it's it's a joke. Jimmy Butler better be an all star because. Again, to me, if you have an MVP list that doesn't include Jimmy Butler, your list is a joke. I want to end on this. We don't have much time. Three years ago today, Stuart Scott passed away. Oh, yeah. The ESPN personality uh, died of cancer. Uh, I was an intern at ESPN Magazine in 2004 living in New York City. We went up to Bristol. All of the ESPN personalities came out. And Stuart, Stock, Stuart Scott comes out. And I'm just like, oh, my God. It's figuring that he's going to be like the celebrity type. And not. this guy talked to us for like an hour. And then I was like, hey, Stuart, man, my brother's never going to believe that I talked to you. So I hand him my phone and he calls my brother up and talks to him for like 15 minutes. Wow. Gave me some advice. 
And I say that I mentioned him because obviously that's a huge loss. He he has affected so many people in terms of the style, whether it's radio, uh, TV, but like the guy was inspirational and directly to me. Like I'm just some kid from Mankato, 20 years old, and, and, and he gave me some advice about you know rising in the business and and pursuing your dreams. Uh, and I'll never forget how approachable he was. Two years ago, I met his daughters at an event, and I told them this story. Uh, and I told them, so for me, I didn't have cable growing up as a kid. These these people in my school, my friends were talking about a guy named Stuart Scott on ESPN. I convinced my parents through this presentation to get cable TV <laughs> because of Stuart Scott. Right? Wow. Changed my life. Um, and for me, sitting in this chair, it's just a reminder of, of like, believe in people's dreams, man. And don't be somebody that ever gets to a certain status or a certain point where you can't support and endorse someone's dreams because you just never know who's paying attention, who's paying attention and who is listening. Thanks again for having me on on 1500.